Hey, it's April Spears here, and this is the Her God Speaks podcast. It's been a while, you guys. I am busy putting the next teaching series together that will launch sometime in January. But today, I have a special Christmas episode for you. A few weeks ago, I had the privilege of speaking at a Christmas brunch for the widows of my church. One thing I knew about my audience is that every single one of those precious women had experienced great loss. I also knew that every one of those women feels a lot of pressure to slap on a smile and be okay. Because, you know, Jesus saves and all that. I wanted to take the pressure off to give them the freedom to feel, to remind them that their sadness can be a sacred pathway to a deeper, more sincere longing for and celebration of what Christmas is all about. Maybe you need that reminder too. So here it is. Merry Christmas, friend. I pray these truths encourage your heart as much as they have mine. It's been decades since I've heard anyone sing it, but there's an old hymn entitled, Every Day with Jesus is Sweeter Than the Day Before. Now that is a beautiful idea. The premise that this life of faith gets better and better every day is so lovely. I can see why someone wrote a song about it. I am here to tell you that as beautiful and lovely as it is to imagine every day with Jesus being sweeter than the day before, it's not true. Some days with Jesus are not sweeter than the day before. Some days with Jesus are way harder than the day before. Some days with Jesus are full of pain and sorrow that didn't used to be there. Some days with Jesus are full of darkness where there used to be light, and grief, where there used to be joy. A more accurate hymn title would be, Many Days with Jesus Are Sweeter Than the Day Before. Or maybe, as a whole, life with Jesus does get better and better, but there are seasons where it's really hard and you don't feel very close to him. But that doesn't have much of a ring to it. We all know this from experience. You may be living a harder, more bitter day with Jesus right now. If not, you certainly have at some point. But we also know this from scripture. While American Christians tend only to sing upbeat, peppy, happy songs of praise, the songbook preserved for us in the Bible is full of lament, songs expressing grief and sadness. In fact, one third of the Psalms are songs of lament. That's a lot. Let me read you some lines from these songs. Lord, why do you stand so far away? Why do you hide in times of trouble? Psalm 10, 1. Will the Lord reject forever and never again show his favor? Has his faithful love ceased forever? Is his promise at an end for all generations? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger withheld his compassion? That's Psalm 77, 7 through 9. 
My heart shudders within me. Terrors of death sweep over me. Fear and trembling grip me. Horror has overwhelmed me. I said, if only I had wings like a dove, I would fly away and find rest. How far away I would flee. Psalm 55, 4-7. My tears have been my food day and night, while all day long people say to me, where is your God? Psalm 42, 3. I am bent over and brought very low. All day long I go around in mourning, for my insides are full of burning pain and there is no soundness in my body. I am faint and severely crushed. I groan because of the anguish of my heart. That's Psalm 38, 6 through 8. And you aren't going to find any of those verses printed on anything at Hobby Lobby. (laughs) They don't end up on coffee mugs, journal covers, or any wall art that any of us would put in our houses. Verses like this can make us feel a little uncomfortable. Perhaps some parts come across as a bit irreverent or faithless. It's certainly a far cry from the happy-go-lucky, live-laugh-love version of the Christian life to which most of us have been trained to aspire. Here's why I love these passages, and why you should too. The Psalms of Lament show us how to live in the tension between what we know to be true about God and what feels true as we navigate the hard seasons of life. Lament gives us words when we would otherwise have no words. Lament reminds us that there is great mercy for the miserable, that God really, truly does welcome us on our worst days. Lament gives us permission to wrestle with our grief instead of rushing to end it or pretending it's not as bad as it really is. Lament stands in the gap between pain and promise. It's the well-worn pathway from heartbreak to hope. In the next 15 minutes or so, we're going to work through one of my favorite psalms of lament, Psalm 13. As we do, I'm going to point out five reasons we need lament this Christmas. Let me go ahead and read it. How long, O Lord? Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long will I store up anxious concerns within me? Agony in my mind every day. How long will my enemy dominate me? Consider me and answer, Lord my God. Restore brightness to my eyes. Otherwise, I will sleep in death. My enemy will say, I've triumphed over him. And my foes will rejoice because I am shaken. But I have trusted in your faithful love My heart will rejoice in your deliverance. I will sing to the Lord because he has treated me generously. The first reason we need lament this Christmas is because it turns us toward God when we're most tempted to turn away. David is the author of this psalm. We aren't given any details about the situation that led him to write these words, but we do know from his questions that he felt like his suffering was never going to end. The words, how long, are repeated four times in just two verses. Now, I can deal with just about anything if I know it'll be over soon. 
But what if there's no guarantee? What if there's no end date, no finish line in sight, no light at the end of the tunnel? That seems to be David's experience. David's words also reveal that he was in distress over his relationship with God. He felt forgotten and abandoned. In the Old Testament, references to God's remembering and seeing are not just states of consciousness, but are always connected with action. David has been crying out for God to intervene, to do something, to make a change, and he hasn't, at least not in any way that David can see or feel. I don't know about you, but when that happens to me, I'm really tempted to stop crying out. It's not making any difference. My prayers aren't doing anything. Why even bother? The Psalms of Lament remind us that there's way more to prayer than seeking solutions. Prayer is fundamentally about seeking God himself. And Lament reminds us that the God we seek is a God of compassion who cares that we're hurting and is present in our pain, whether we feel it or not. David doesn't just cry out, how long? He cries out, how long, O Lord? Lament turned him toward God when his pain and frustration no doubt tempted him to turn away. The other day, I had a really tough day, and when I'm having one of those days, all I really want to do is hide. I want to be alone. So as soon as Greg got home and took over things with the kids, I darted for the spare bedroom. I wanted that bedroom because it's the furthest room away from the main living area where my family was. I shut and locked the door and climbed into the bed, pulled the covers over my head, and exhaled. It felt so good to be all by myself. Until it didn't anymore. After a while, I started to feel too alone. But I still wasn't ready to fully re-engage. So I got up and I cracked the door open. And all of a sudden, though very little had changed, I didn't feel so alone anymore. I could hear my family in the other room. Lament cracks the door open so that we can hear the God of all comfort reminding us that regardless of how we might feel, regardless of how much we want to hide, we are never, ever alone. The second reason we need lament this Christmas is because life this side of eternity is really, really hard and can be especially hard during the holidays. One basic element of all biblical lament is honest, humble complaining. Now, it's drilled into most of us from a very young age that complaining is bad, and most of the time it is. But not all complaining is rooted in selfishness and pride. Sometimes complaints are simply facts. They're descriptions of life as it really is. We see that in Psalm 13. David tells God that he feels forgotten and abandoned. He says that he feels nothing but deep sorrow all day, every day, and that his enemy appears to be winning. These are complaints. Not the I deserve better kind, but real raw expressions of how he feels, how deeply he hurts, 
and how seemingly impossible it is to see God's goodness in the face of such grief. The Psalms of Lament invite us to kneel before our Father and say, I know you love me, but I don't feel it. I know you're in control, but it's really hard to believe that right now. Biblical lament reminds us that it's okay to say things like that, that we don't have to pretend that life isn't hard. Not with God. What a relief. The third reason we need lament this Christmas is because we desperately need God to act. Almost every lament in scripture asks big things of God, boldly calling upon him to act in accordance with his character and promises. In verse 3, David prays, Consider and answer me. Enlighten my eyes. Throughout other Psalms of Lament, you'll see words like save, restore, deliver, rescue, help. That's because laments move in a very distinct trajectory from anguish to trust. This is what makes them different from merely venting emotions. At some point in the prayer, the why questions of complaint are eclipsed by the who question of request. The lament moves from why is this happening to who is God and what can he do about it? Faith breaks through the doubt and the psalmist dares to believe that God can and will act. Some of us listening to this have wounds that only God can heal. We have needs that only God can provide. We have doubts that only God can reassure. We have anger that only God can break through. We have sadness that only God can soothe. We need lament this Christmas because we cannot heal ourselves. We desperately need God to act, and lament gives us the language to ask. The fourth reason we need lament this Christmas is because it shifts our perspective. Most biblical laments take a sharp turn from complaint and request to confidence and trust. In verses 1 and 2 of Psalm 13, David issues his complaint. In verses 3 and 4, he issues his request. Up to this point, it's a pretty depressing psalm and a pretty terrible passage to teach through at Christmas time. But look at the first word of verse 5. But. That little word introduces a big contrast. Let me read it again. But I have trusted in your faithful love. My heart will rejoice in your deliverance. I will sing to the Lord because he has treated me generously. Take a look at his statements of faith. After the big transitional but, he declares, I have trusted in your faithful love. The words faithful love or hesed in Hebrew is a major theme in the book of Psalms. It's the word most often used to express God's loyalty and his commitment to his covenant promises. David is banking on that. Next, he declares, my heart will rejoice in your deliverance. David's not processing on a micro level here. In other words, he's not necessarily claiming God's miraculous deliverance in the short term, although I'm sure he would gladly receive it. He's choosing to see the bigger picture. 
He's stepping back from the agonizing plot twist he's been enduring and focusing instead on the narrative arc of the whole story, which is always salvation and deliverance when God is the hero. David knows that for the believer, all suffering will ultimately come to an end. I'm not a huge fan of cutesy Christian quotes, but I heard one a while back that really stuck. And it didn't make me roll my eyes, so it must be a keeper. (laughs) Here it is. If it's not good, God's not done. That's basically what David's expressing here. He's not naive enough to think that God's going to instantly take away all his problems. But he's choosing not to put a period where God has written a comma. It's a lot like what he expresses at the end of Psalm 23 when he writes, Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. How can he say that? How can he be so sure? Well, because that's what God had promised, and God tells the truth. If all we had were the first four verses of Psalm 13, we would never think that it would end with rejoicing. But it does. In verse 6, David says, I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. By the end of the psalm, lament has completely reoriented David's heart and mind. His focus is no longer his suffering, but rather God's ultimate salvation. He's navigated that wild, scary terrain between pain and promise. Come out the other side with all the same problems, but a whole new outlook. My encouragement to you as I close is to take a few minutes. Type Psalms of Lament into the Google search box on your phone or computer. Make a list of them and begin to meditate on them one by one throughout the rest of this holiday season. If you do that, you will eventually get to Psalm 22, which begins with the words, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Those words sound familiar? I bet you know who quoted that verse. Jesus did. And this is the most beautiful thing about Christmas. Far from sitting aloof from our pain, Jesus entered into our pain. He took on human flesh with all its limitations, infirmities, and vulnerabilities. He did that so that he could succeed where humans have failed and eventually hang on a cross bearing the full weight of griefs and sorrows of our sin-sick world. It's there on that cross that he lamented, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? These words, once penned by David in Psalm 22, became his own as he experienced a depth of anguish no one but God incarnate ever could. This is precisely why the writer of Hebrews can declare, we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. There's one last reason we need lament this Christmas, and that's because Christmas doesn't make any sense without it. We don't celebrate the birth of Jesus in spite of our loneliness, brokenness, and grief. We celebrate the birth of Jesus because of those things. Jesus came for lamenting people. The ache, the overwhelm, the longing, 
the loneliness, it all points to the astounding reality that God has made a way to mend our brokenness, to be with us, and to ultimately make all things new. If what you feel this Christmas is less than Mary, take heart, lean into it. That's why he came. That's why we look to Jesus and rejoice. And that's why we wait in hope for his return. Because one day, lament will be no more. And every day with Jesus will indeed be sweeter than the day before.